Not the Steam Deck. Let's talk about the Stream Deck. Totally different piece of hardware. Totally Confusingly different. similarly named. And not to be yeah, confused I, with the other one, the Steam Deck Dock, which is, you know. There's a Steam Deck Dock? There's a Steam Deck Dock. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't just call it a Steam Dock? It might have some other name, but I'm pretty sure it's just the Steam Deck Dock. Like the official. <laughs> what the f***? <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 449 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the miscellaneous programmer. I'm Sam and I'm wearing a turtleneck. And this is a show where we talk about life, turtlenecks, business, and working in the games industry. Mostly turtlenecks. Mostly mostly turtlenecks. Uh, Today is January 5th, 2024. Before we get started, we have a warning. There's going to be swears, curses, and profanes in this, just this episode. The rest are totally, totally clean. But yeah. yeah. So if you want to hear clean episodes, listen to one of the other ones. Yeah, you'll hear at the beginning of each of those episodes, you'll hear another warning that suggests that maybe it's Don't not clean. It. It's fine. Don't listen. Just ignore that. Ignore that. Yep. It's just it's just boilerplate. It's just, you know, our yeah. lawyers made us put that there. Yep, yep. Uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you so much for their donations to help keep the podcast going. Uh, all right, we got a lot to talk about because, hey, it's a new year. What? A new year, a new we. A new we, uh, which is to say there isn't a new we coming out this year. I think that's Forever. just never coming back, oh, yeah, well. sadly. Um, but we've got some news about the theme of the year. Which is that we've chosen it. Mm-hmm. Okay. After much deliberation. After m- entire minutes of deliberation. Yep. Okay. So, for those who are kind of newer to the podcast, every year we come up with a new name for the year to set the tone for what kind of a year we, we want to have or plan to have or predict having. Okay. Sort of an aspirational so, target, but ideally also a little dumb. And you know? also dumb. vague so that you can, you know... You can use it as a guess and fit whatever container you need it to fit into. But also, not a monkey's paw, where you yeah, get ideally. something that is technically in that realm, but not what you want. You know? Yeah. yeah. Which, if you try hard enough, lots of things can become a monkey's paw. Most so, you know, it, it just can't be, it can't be a surface level kind of monkey's paw situation, mm-hmm. you know? So last year, our theme was 20 Jubilee. It's got a rhyme with 2023, right? It's 20 Jubilee, and it was, hey, you know, let, let go of old debts. Get, get out of debts, whatever. Just like try to let – like get away from things that are holding you down in the past and, mm-hmm. and move forward. That's what 2023 is about. Uh, so 2024, the theme this year is 22 by 4, mm-hmm. as in the the wood, the piece of wood. Because mm-hmm. this year is all about nailing it. Yep. yep. <laughs> but also, it's about a lot of other things too. Structural you know? support, you know? Yeah. Be there for your. Be there for the people around you. Be be a supporting beam mm-hmm. in in the life. And of also, your when you're doing stuff, yeah. measure twice, but cut once. You know. Yeah. It's about being careful. Yeah, and also you know the two by four. You know, it's it's one of the fundamental building blocks of construction. Really, really it's just modern to, society. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. get down to the basics and just really break things down to their you know their their most fundamental part. Really mm-hmm. focus on what matters. The real structural, the real foundational things of life. You know, you could take this in a lot of different ways, but two by fours, I think, are a good mascot for this. They are, they really are. Yeah. <laughs> really underappreciated. Unsung heroes. Really, yeah. Know? Underrated. Uh, people, I don't know, maybe people in the construction community are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, we barely ever used to. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst I don't one. Know. 
but that's the wood that people know. You know, it is. so at, at the very least, it's good at marketing itself, which is also an important skill. Truly, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so welcome to twenty-two by four, the year of nailing it. Uh, we also had some uh, some interesting other contenders like twenty plenty velour. We had twenty Labrador, which was you know just happy to be here kind of mm-hmm. kind of vibes. Uh, yeah, lots of lots of crazy ones. If you want to hear some of those, you can go to our previous episode where I think we went through a, a lot, quite a lot of them. <laughs> yep. Uh, some some better than others. Yes, as <laughs> so, always. I mean, we didn't even, as always. We of course didn't say the ones that we came up with that we hated. So you know we're. Or, uh, yeah, we threw a bunch of our own in the garbage before they before even, even heard it. Yeah, got into your ear holes. Most ideas go straight out of the brain into the garbage. That's just sort of, but you got to keep that flow going. You know, you yeah. got to keep them going. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so also as part of as part of setting the stage for the year. So normally, you know, we go do like a year in review. What happened last year, and then we want to make predictions for the upcoming year. Well, last episode we did a big review of what happened. And so now it's time, time to look ahead. What is, what's coming down the pipe for all of us uh, here at the studio, but also just kind of, uh, you know, in the world at large, broadly, what's going to happen this year? We've got some predictions. Okay. All right. So first, we're going to talk about AI. (gasps) Last year, AI kind of, kind of took everybody by surprise. It's, it's, it's becoming increasingly capable very fast and in ways that are kind of confusing and easy to misuse and misunderstand. Uh, there's lots of wild shit happening in that space, and that's going to just continue uh, at an accelerating rate. Yeah. So, you know it's getting my, real when Microsoft puts a new key button. Oh, my God. I hate that. I don't know if you saw that. There's a button on the that. keyboard for what? summoning Copilot. They what want- keyboard? Exactly. They want they want Microsoft products with like official keyboards, you know, and stuff to moving forward for like their Surface Pros and stuff, right? To have a dedicated keyboard key to open up their Copilot. In the same oh, way. people people love it when you have a. You remember remember the Chromebooks that got rid of the caps lock key and put a search button there instead? People love that shit. Wow. They love losing keys or getting uh-huh. weird ones that have a very yeah, hyper specific. Yeah. I don't know where this key is going <laughs> to go, but I do think again it's very indicative of the role that this is playing, right? Which is as soon as someone's like, you know what, we need to change physical hardware to make it easier for you to summon your AI buddy. I do think, I mean, that's a good, that's a good tip. They're leaning into it. They're leaning in real hard. Yeah. yeah, To me, it's, it's a kind of a cart before the horse kind of a thing because I've used their desktop co-pilot. And it seems completely fucking pointless. So it is for now. Maybe I was like, it's like, yeah, for now. But it's weird to me. Like, we're that's like, ooh, we know someday this is going to have a point. So let's just go. It's it's, it's true. Hardware takes a long time to like get deployed and stuff, you know? So I would guess, I guess we could just call it a very optimistic signal. Here's the thing even if you put the cart before the horse, you still move the cart. You know what I mean? You still move the cart further. Yeah, as long as 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 the the way you push it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Depending on horse, how you rig that. Is the horse facing the cart? You know, is it can is it is there appropriate I think, uh, structures in place there's that they can a push disconnect, behind? You know, between the horse and the cart, I think is kind of more of what's going on. Uh potentially. Yeah, I think the horse and the cart are currently in two different buildings right now. Um mm. and they're not even yeah. they're not even hooked just, up at this point. There's no reins long enough, you know. Yeah. To reach. yeah, and right. I also don't even know which thing is the cart and which thing is the horse in this scenario, but one of them is is out of order. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what's happening. Yeah, um, I think there's also going to be. Oh, yeah, go. I was going to say, I think when it comes to AI, I think there's going to be some 
we're going to see some, I think we're going to see more of like the same. It's going to, it's going to be boring actually this year. Last year was exciting with AI. This year is going to be boring and horrifying is my prediction. Yeah. Last year like, was it's going to get better. I think it's going to keep getting better. I think that's true, but not in the same way. Like we went from zero to one last year, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah, this year yeah. we're going to go from like one to, who knows, maybe even two, but it's going to be way less interesting, but the yeah, consequences are going to start really unfolding this year. And it's going to mm-hmm, be, mm-hmm largely horrifying with little drops of like, ooh, this is neat and super useful, right? Yeah, right. so let's, let's talk about some of these p- possible consequences. So some of them are, well, for starters, in, in the game space, uh, there's going to be a pretty big uptick in games that have content in them made by AI, whether it's mm-hmm. music, art assets, 3D models, textures, sounds, whatever. Um, and... That opens up a lot of questions about ownership. Mm-hmm. Actually, one of them is already rather, answered, which is that you can't copyright that stuff, which means yeah. that we're going to start yeah. seeing, like, as companies start to try to use AI for stuff, I think we're going to see it mostly in, like, small indie studios um, because large... I think large, you see it in the AAA space. Yeah, but, but here's, but but here's where the lawyers know that they can't maintain their that's not That doesn't it. matter. Because yeah. here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, you can copyright a phone book, but you don't own the names in the phone book. Those are other people's names. Yeah, right? you copyright the but, organization but of it. But what so you've far, copyrighted is the organization of it. Yeah. But but so far with with the AI stuff, my, my understanding is that the legal stuff that's gone through so far has basically said AI content is literally not copyrightable, like period. And the same with that, like a chemical structure isn't copyrightable or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not even the specific organization of the content because that's what the that's what AI content is, is the specific organization, right? My understanding is that the legal precedent so far, which is not strong yet because there haven't been a lot of cases, right? But that the only legal precedent so far basically says this is not – anything produced by an AI is not copyrightable. Right. But that also means if you're using GitHub Copilot, what does that mean about your code? It's not copyrightable. Right. Although, but for Copilot, it's a little bit different because you then work on the thing that got generated. Right? I don't think but what if, but what if you mind. don't? But code, like, is already, it, code is already not meaningfully copyrightable, right? Um, because it's the same thing as the organizational thing, which is if you rewrite your code a little bit, then, you've, like, the, then you're fine, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the same. It's not a copy. Yeah. 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 Which so, is, think, yeah. so anyway, point B, there's Ubisoft. a lot of shit. If I, had to put, if I had to pick a company, I'd pick Ubisoft. That's the right choice, yeah. Do some really hilariously dumb thing regarding AI that's going to you know, kind of come out and everyone's going to be like, why? I also did think you do that. Maybe not maybe not this year, but but pretty soon. I think Disney will do the, the same. Oh, yeah, I think totally. I think you're I think you're going to see uh, a lot more AI generated stuff sneaking its way into TV shows, movies, games, whatever. And it's going to happen at a rate where where the legal system will just not really have answers at all. Yeah. I, I still, I actually, I, so my prediction is, is actually the opposite, which is these really big companies that do high quality production and stuff will start using AI in a supportive capacity in the same way that like programmers already can do mm-hmm. with Copilot, right? But that there will not be any direct use of AI content because the best content still is the stuff made by the combination of really good tooling and really good human skills right Um, yeah and and people who are like doing extremely high quality work today ai is nowhere near that and it won't be this year Mm -hmm. 
it's like, it's not going to come even close. Right. Yeah. And, and most of the problems with AI are integration challenges where it's, you know, it's not yeah. about like, for example, when making an art asset for a game, it's not just like having a picture of a thing. Yeah. It, yeah. it needs to follow a bunch of tech specs and, and fit with the it's art style. It's about scale else. and it's about, and it's about maintaining over a period of time. Right. Cause like, cause the art, that gets generated in like a movie, right? It has to make sense from every angle. And while you also kind of has to make like the, the character has to look like the same fucking character two hours in. Right. Um, and that yep. kind of stuff. And like, and these are the things that like AI is not, that's not what it's for. It's not for that. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's the current iteration of what we're doing with that. So I think, I think we're going to see the people who are thinking about AI correctly in its current form. I think we're going to start seeing some really cool stuff in the tooling space come mm -hmm. out of that for in particular for, artists i think a little bit in games but i think the technical things around it, around there are so uh strict specific. and kind of yeah. and specific and varied that i think we're i honestly don't think we're going to see very much good stuff happening with like ai assisted game dev i think we're going to see some weird stuff and some more questionable stuff, decisions yeah. i think yeah. over this year when it comes well, to AI games but yeah and, and i think um you're probably going to see so kind of as, as a consequence of all that stuff, you're going to see that the trend of all these larger tech companies, game studios, tech companies, whatever, they're going to continue to kind of downsize and lay people off. Because if you have if you have a lot of people using AI in, in a supplemental role, then those people tend to be able to you know do a lot more and more cheaply and whatnot. And uh, that's just gonna that that and trend I, already started last year. Well, last but it wasn't that, that wasn't because of AI. Last year, the reason yeah. that was happening was because of the change to the cheapness of money, right? Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, well, it's a it's a confluence. I don't of, think it is. I don't think AI has had any impact in the game space. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's outside hit the space of yet. outside of dumb managers just being like, "Hey, I think we can get away with like just using AI for this and like find people." <laughs> And then, which will inevitably turn around because they, they, they can't. They actually can't do better or even the same with fewer people plus AI, right, currently. Well, I don't think they care about that. They care about Exactly. Costco, they don't care about right? that. But, but once they discover that they just have worse stuff, then they have to hire back again, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think as the in, – in the US in particular, as, that, as the overall interest rate stuff, you know, comes back down, which they said it's going to this year. Then you'll see a bit of a change on the industry side as far as the layoffs and stuff. Yeah, go. I think higher mainly will go back up now, so. because, but it's always been like every time people have introduced, like if you think about, like think about like a, a any AAA studio, right? AAA studios have gotten access to better and better and better technology over the years to make it so that any one person can do even more, right? Okay. Have AAA studios shrunk? Fuck no, no this, it's also it's always the Jevons paradox stuff we talk about. Yeah, I guess it'll just, once, you'll just have bigger games. Is, is going to yeah. be what happens. Yeah. Uh, and actually, there was there was a really good opinion piece I saw kind of about this whole idea of AI and stuff in the first place, which was that it shouldn't the 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 idea that it's being sold as like hey you can make stuff cheaper because you can like hand off tasks to AI is actually exactly the opposite of a selling point, which is hey you can make your work better, but you can make your work more expensive and better. Because yeah. AI has a cost and you can now add that cost to your whatever the work is that you're doing, right? To to then as a toolkit to then make the outcome of that work better, right? Mm -hmm. And so thinking of it from that way, like AI is not a money saving tool at all. It's, it's just a, a, it's a value adding tool. It's a value add tool and it has and it adds cost. It adds cost and value the same way adding a person does, the same way adding any tool does, right? And I think that's the way that you have to think about it to actually use it effectively in a business context. And I think we're going to start seeing that at some people are going to start seeing that, hey, it turned out firing all of our staff and then 
having one person talk to GPT, like didn't work out actually. Like it didn't make us, it didn't allow us to build better products, right? It allowed us to build a lot of mediocre product, whatever our thing is, right? If our product was simple enough in the first place that yeah. AI could replicate it, right? But not yeah, but actually better. In order to learn that lesson, people have to do that. Yeah, like, and, they, they, and have, they did. They do they, have yeah, to. They have been, and they will continue to. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. I think I think this year will be kind of like a lot of a lot of hard learned lessons yeah. about <laughs> about AI that. and business and legal stuff. Yeah. Uh, so and I think we're gonna, have, we're gonna have the first big legal cases. I think this year that are gonna be really yeah. interesting, and because that's already happening for Mid Journeys getting sued very aggressively mm-hmm. for all the art they stole. You know. Because um, yep. the, the fact is that everything that these big AI companies have done is li- it's illegal. It's literally illegal. They just scraped fuckloads of copyrighted data that they weren't allowed to that they weren't allowed to take. Right? Just cost of doing business. Yeah, man. And, and that's exactly <laughs> it. Is and I think what we're going to see this year is we're gonna, we're going to see if if they'll if if regulators will decide. Hey, you know what? Even though that was really illegal, uh, we've decided we're going to let you get away with it, with or without. You know, some fines are having to actually not pay out to people who from from whom you yeah. stole. Well, the thing is, if you if you if you steal art from like three hundred million people, <laughs> uh, if even if those people manage to pull a class action lawsuit, which would be incredibly difficult because they're all over the world, right? They're not even in the same jurisdiction. But then also, what would their what would their recompense be? Like a dollar each, probably, and then like the lawyers would win. And well, there's but, an interesting you know, that's uh, case for this though already with uh, Spotify, which apparently pursued a similar track because they basically just put, they just put music up, you know, like all of it uh, without having deals in place for a lot of people. And a big part of that was because a lot of people aren't necessarily in the major like traditional record labels. Like most music is not actually right. Most yeah. of the available stuff. Somebody just made a song and put it up on yeah, or, you know, a bunch or- of independent <laughs> stuff, whatever. And yeah. so what they, part of the strategy though, is by putting all of it up, they end up forcing essentially the a, a mechanism to come into existence by which they can then actually pay people for stuff, right? Um, essentially, by going by having to, the courts get involved and then say, "Here's how this would look legally for you to do it." So you sort of do it illegally first because there's no way that they could figure out how to like how do you actually track down all these people or handle all this stuff? They're like, we don't know. So we're just going to do it, and then when the courts figure out how to make us do it properly, then we'll kind of do it that way. Um, so my guess is you're going to see a similar. Yeah, it's gonna be something like that. Where I, like that. I, I don't. There's too much money involved for, and and the companies involved are too big and own way too many U.S. Yeah, senators. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, and the like, and the harm is very hard to triangulate. It's like it, like if an AI model trains up, like if you're an artist and an AI model uses some of your art, right, to like train itself up, but also is using uh, the art from 20 million other artists, right. It's it's hard for you to really explain or quantify like how that hurts you in the sense that like you, only if you could demonstrate like that you're you know you're like maybe you're a commission artist and you're losing clients because your clients can now just talk to this AI and it can just exactly like replicate your style or something which definitely is happening uh, I think there's and that, that kind of thing does happen yeah, for, again for, for simpler projects people. it is happening yeah, yeah for yep. illustrations for all sorts of stuff I think I I did Xbox I think just yesterday like tweeted something yeah they got in trouble yeah was apparently an AI generated fucking yeah it was, it was some like, like what indies festival I don't care what it was but it was some event that they were that they had and they had this like this little uh, this little like like snowy, snowy landscape. cartoony landscape you know um, that was like very obviously AI generated and so and they rightfully got it's fucking Microsoft you can pay somebody 
<laughs> to do. To they do did. The they paid ten billion dollars. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think they, if, uh, more than anybody, have paid, paid enough commission yeah, but yeah, for so, AI. So yeah, I think I think this is going to be really interesting. I think the part of AI is going to be interesting this year is the horrors that come out this year. Yeah, because there's going to be a lot, and then the regulatory legal stuff that happens this year. And I, I don't really know what's going to happen there because my again my bet is because of the scale of the money involved that. That this a lot of things could just be swept under the rug. Yeah, that's, that's the legal outcomes will just Spotify's be a change, and so yeah. now, and it's, and the change will just be that, at least to some degree, companies will now be allowed just to steal whatever they want for the purpose of training an AI. Um, is my bet, at least in the U.S. I think it's possible that less, you know, bought and paid for uh, regulatory bodies. Um, might. The EU will probably look very different. Yeah, the than EU what the might. Better, and I think doing. we're going to see a really interesting split in like what's going. And just I think it's the same with like privacy laws, right? Like in the EU, very strict, very frankly good, even though they're frustrating on our side to deal with um, mm-hmm. privacy laws. In the US, fucking nothing, right? And I think we're going to see a really. The US remains thing. the wild west on the technology front. I think. You know, yeah, it's going to do whatever, yeah. whatever, move fast and break things, yeah. break lots and lots of break things. society, uh, break, <laughs> break people's lives. Doesn't matter as mm-hmm. long as we got some cool technology and some people became billionaires. You know, we're doing living the American dream. Yes. Otherwise, in the tech space, I think because of all of the layoffs that happened last year, I think you're going to see a kind of a resurgence of lots of smaller teams coming up with like new apps and, and new startups and stuff, many of which will just get then immediately consumed by AI. Yeah, probably. Because <laughs> uh, they'll yes. be like, we made an app to solve this problem. But then the next day you can just ask ChatGPT to do it and it'll just do that yeah. thing for you. So there has I'm still a- less optimistic about that. I think I think more – my belief is what's going to happen is that the first part is true, that we're going to see a lot of new little companies and cool things come out. But money's going to become cheap again and all the big companies – all the monopolies will buy them up. And just remove them from existence, just like yeah, they just the, do. You know? yeah. I think the money being cheap thing is what also helps a lot of the smaller startups that have a higher specialization required yeah. for participation. That actually helps them get started. So I think you actually see less of it in the beginning. I, I think, year, I think, yeah, the I think the first thing we see is less of it yeah, until until true. interest rates uh, yeah. come down. Um, yeah, and then uh, so we're also going to predict that. Crypto is finally gonna do something. No, we're, no, it's no, it's gonna be useless. Gonna be useless. Uh, nothing's gonna happen. But, spe- uh, but there speaking might be- of Ubisoft, I think Ubisoft is going. What the thing it's gonna do with AI will also have NFTs in it. Oh, for oh, yeah. almost certain. Whatever it is. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Nothing's really gonna happen in the crypto. There might be some really interesting new scam technology coming out of the crypto space this That's year. Just crypto in general. Yeah. That's just how it works, though. Yeah. Uh, so we also think that there's gonna be a all right, we're going to go bold on this one. It's going to be a new iPhone this year. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, so some things that might happen with this new iPhone. Better camera. That's really like, going under the limb here. That's, that's, about, <laughs> that's probably about it, to be honest, you know, as uh, far as new things on yep. the phone. Do you think so, one more camera? Because they also add more better cameras. I want to have the entire backplate. Just be cameras. Just, just be, cameras. Yeah. Isn't that one League of Legends character that has a helmet with like 40 eyeballs on it for some reason? Yeah. Yeah. You need that for your, and he's like a sword guy. Cause you gotta, you know, much like a sniper, when you're in close quarters combat, you need 40 eyes mm-hmm. to see incredibly well. Right. Mm-hmm. So you need your iPhone to see be like that. Directions. So hopefully, hopefully we see an iPhone with yet even more and better cameras. Yes. And then it, then it will be, 
marketed using a lot of extremely tight close-ups of shiny edges of things. And I'll probably maybe include some kind of new interesting material like rubber or something. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk mm-hmm. about they'll talk about that. That would be pretty mm-hmm. cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's our Apple step. Also the Apple Vision Pro will con- will continue to exist this year as a product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it will continue and, and VR as a VR slash AR as a thing will, despite the Vision Pro, continue to remain a tiny market that is not worth investing a lot into. It will continue to be constrained by people going, I don't like having a big thing strapped to my face. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just going to be a thing. Uh, maybe if they, you know, maybe toward the end of this year, if Apple figures out how to kind of condense that thing down to be you know, more glasses-like and less helmet-like, you know? I think think that scaling stuff down to that level is still quite a ways off. So they do have, I mean, there are some of like the Ray-Bans glasses and stuff that have the, that are basically Google glasses now that exist. And apparently everyone's just like cool with it because you can't tell. I don't know if you guys Mm. know this. I mean, they they do work. They're basically Google glasses. It's the same thing. They just look like sunglasses. So I think we're going to see some more of those, truthfully. I don't yeah, some some more cool wearable tech, but I think it's going to still be like incremental improvements. Not, I mean, and nothing's, not nothing's going to take over there yet. Yeah, yeah, and also like so many nerds who would be really interested in this kind of stuff sort of need prescription glasses. So yeah. right, it works. You know, they know they're on it. You know, it's good. Yeah, so it's good. Uh, all right. So what else do we think is going to happen this year? We think uh, the influencer space is going to keep kind of centralizing and becoming more monolithic. Yeah, I think well, this is largely driven by all the algorithms in the in the space getting more and more, just continuing to get more tight. This has been happening for ten years. You know, I think it's just going to continue happening. I think you're you're going to have it be the case that you know creators on your YouTube's and other platforms just going to continuously be pushed into just a few. Yeah, things. we'll just have fewer and fewer successful people on those platforms, and yeah. who yeah, whose content becomes increasingly monocultural. You know. Yeah. With just less and less interesting stuff going on. Yeah. That's not a very bold prediction because it's just kind of what's It's just a trend. (laughs) It's just going to keep happening. Yeah, but also like the the, one of the weird things that happens with this kind of thing is actually kind of reminds me of of something like um, like, like basketball players, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like the the salary of – the high-end salary – of a professional basketball player is like hundreds of millions of dollars. Like mm-hmm. the, the amount of success that you, like the ceiling of success is like infinite, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes it incredibly attractive as something to aspire to, right? Yes. But, but almost nobody hits that level of success. There's like five people, right? Who will hit that, who will hit that point. And the same thing kind of happens with like Twitch streamers or YouTubers or whatever, where as that ceiling keeps going up and up of, of how much money they can make and how yeah, much success people who are already successful pressure will continue to become increasingly unnecessarily successful. You know, like nobody needs that level of, yeah. of success. And so, so you'll have even more people kind of coming in at the bottom trying to trying their hand at it. You know, trying yeah, to start basically YouTube channels. Everything is that. late stage capitalism and the shitification of all services will continue, right? That's yeah. is what we're looking at. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's that's, that's right. a pretty that's a pretty good prediction. Yeah. Um also think that that despite everyone's best efforts, I think most people will still not have folding phones this year. Mm-hmm. I think. Um part of it is a cost thing, part of it is uh 
is a is a I don't know how, I don't know how to put it, but like there's certain people where you say, hey, we can, we're making a phone that's like it's a touchscreen, but also it, it folds. Some people are like, oh fuck, cool, and other people are like, why? <laughs> I am admit, one of those. I'm in the why cool camp. People. Sam's mm. at the cool camp. Adam's in the why camp. Yeah. The thing is, though, I want a keyboard. If you fold it, give me if, my yeah, fucking if keyboard. If you're making back. an argument for a keyboard, like that's a different thing because you can have a foldable with or without a keyboard, right? Um, so well, I think like if you're right pumped now, about a keyboard, that's one thing. But it doesn't sound like you're pumped about a foldable phone specifically, right? Because to me, the I mean, thing I, is like a foldable I, phone. It's both. Does that make sense? Like, to me, the foldable phone solves dreams. the problem of just phones being too big, right? But it's tr- it trades mm-hmm. that for phones now being too thick, you know? Mm-hmm. And to yeah, me, my it, phones yeah. are already too big and too thick. So if I folded it, I would just be like, now I have a fucking like, brick in my pocket that I'm carrying. You know around. what? I want a phone that actually is just an origami crane. Ooh. And then I can talk to it, of, you know. Ooh. Or talk it, to it. Yeah, let's fucking go. Extremely foldable. Extremely foldable. I want the problem with that is, you know, you'll go to the grocery store and they'll hand you your receipt, right? And like, yeah, and you put your receipt in your pocket. And then the next time you go to the trash to throw the receipt away, you accidentally throw your phone away because it's been crumpled up like a receipt and now you're now you're out forty thousand dollars. Give me a crumplable phone. Crumple that phone. I want a Samsung crumple. That's what I want. The crumple. Something that something that I would love to happen this year that won't happen is for OLED screens to have the burnout problem resolved so that I can get an OLED computer monitor because the colors are gorgeous, mm-hmm. but you can't fucking use them on something that you have turned on for 12 hours And a day on that note, the, uh, so just this past like year in particular, um, so, so basically they're like, if you think this is kind of a weird tangent, but it's, it is related, right? If you're looking at a monitor and trying to look at colors, right? A monitor is limited in what colors it can actually show you that can possibly exist that your eyeball can understand and see, right? So as of like, not too, as of fairly recently, like the retina displays from Apple, like the display itself supports a much wider range of colors than like your standard RGB, mm. like LEDs can actually even show, Right. But most software hasn't bothered to support those other colors because why? What would be the point, right? Yeah, this is like HDR. It's like HDR, same idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But recently, that's been really starting to shift so that there's more and more support from things that actually generate the images that you see on a screen to actually support these wider Mm. colors. And they're like a lot wider. It's like literally like 60% more colors or something like that. Like it's a huge addition to the color space, right? Yeah. Uh, And. And until very recently, the web didn't support those color spaces, but it does now. Ooh. Which is like that was that's one of the really that's one of those kind of bottlenecks, right? Of like of yeah. Uh, and, and so so you're seeing this and more and more of like the screen technology now supports these broader color spaces. And I think OLED is like I don't know if they inherently do or if they just are easier to make support those wire color spaces or what, but like mm. I think we're gonna start seeing a lot of really cool stuff happening with color in what's interesting in that is that like a lot of the push in games for, you know, making everything look amazing, right? Over the last decades, it's been about just increasing the level of detail available just yep. in, in engine, right? That, like on the assets themselves. But this is the sort of thing that actually, again, like to Seth's point, playing with even, even playing with HDR on versus not. The reality is like, there's a limit, a technological limit that's on the very, on the very end of the whole pipeline here, which is like, what colors... And what value range are available on the screens people look at? Yeah, that actually 
improving that is probably going to have, you're probably going to actually have one of the most profound effects on like the overall sense of things being yeah. you know, gorgeous to look at in any form of media. And getting closer to things away. being indistinguishable from real. Right? Yeah, that's going to be great. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting when we were working on, uh, it goes around the time we were starting with Level Head. We got invited to go to an indie developer event at GDC uh, hosted by Xbox. Mm-hmm. And this was, I think, 2017, maybe? No, 2018. 2018 it was like, I think it was 2018. Yeah. Um, and the it turned out that the entire purpose of this event was like they got like 50 indie developers that were going to be releasing Xbox games together. And the whole entire purpose was to try to convince us to build a rendering pipeline for our game that supports HDR. Yeah. That was the whole... It was, yeah, Seth and I were there and it was very funny because the, as the thing started to go on and continue down that vein, we were like, this is... Yeah, wait a We're making this 2D is, games in Game Maker. This is not... <laughs> why are this we... This is not for us. Yeah, it was the same was, deal it, with that because that was the same weekend that we had the Steam, Steam Dev Days event, right? Which they I haven't had that. since. That was the last time they did it. And they did a similar thing, right? Because they were pushing the VR. It was just about VR. VR. (laughs) The event was spectacular. There were thousands of people there, right? They they gave us like amazing gift gift baskets. Like it was a really cool event where basically Steam was just showing off how much fucking money they they have, right? But but actually, yeah. But the whole event, though, what it actually was was, hey, let's get all of the developers in a room who are like making most of the successful games on the store, right? That we can get into the room, and then bribe them basically to do VR, right? And that was the Mm -hmm. whole. Fucking event! It was the same deal. Games like yeah. Seth, where they were just looking at each other, like, "What? Why this are is we no. here? <laughs> we shouldn't be here." And also, this is bad. This is actually but, bad for the developer community because they're going to do it, and then they're all going to go out of business. Yeah. Well, yeah. But the interesting thing was like, it just it you could kind of tell that somebody had missed the memo about how the games industry works now because we are not the people you talk to about building a rendering pipeline. You talk to Game Maker. You don't talk to the Rocket League team. You go to the Unreal Engine team and say, hey, can you add HDR rendering into your engine pipeline? And now everybody who uses Unreal Engine has it. You don't mm-hmm. go talk to the individual devs. We don't We don't control we don't that do shit that anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was very weird. Uh, yeah. But that's just, you know. That, I know, but that was like six years ago. And, and still to this day, most games coming out don't support HDR because most monitors yeah. are not HDR and that's gonna monitors. Be, yeah, that's going to yeah. be the thing with like, these bigger color spaces too is that you can't have a game that just uses that color space because it also has to work when it gets like down color spaced yeah. into – Yeah, so you need two different rendering pipelines yeah, basically or for your game. Yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's a lot to uh, support. It is, yeah. So, yep. I mean, ho- hopefully we get some cool new advances, but in those spaces, but it's always Still. like, like, yeah, it's always tied to the hardware and it's sticky, you know, uh, oh, the last couple things we think are going to happen this year. Uh, we think unity is, is going to get a new CEO Bold. and, and, um, no it's one's, not gonna no go, one's gonna be happy still. It's not gonna go great. <laughs> Bobby Kotick's available, I heard. Feels like he would fit right in. He would just slot right in there. Bam. <laughs> well loved in the games community, uh, much like their current CEO, I believe, or their current interim CEO. Uh, so you know, just keep the trend going. Yeah. Uh and then last we think that um there's gonna be a new Nintendo Switch unveiled. And uh I think I think this will be one of the first times that Nintendo is just like, yeah, we're just going to keep things mostly the same. Yeah. Well, except they did that for a long time with like the their their handhelds, right? Like the 3DS had mm-hmm. had generations of 3DSs, right? Um, 
which I think they've that's true. stopped now forever, but and like the Game Boy in general, right? So I think it's I think what we might see is that this kind of, they, they actually switch to that model for the Switch, right? Because it was just so successful as a platform. Yeah, um, and it, it always seemed like Nintendo was trying to find a non-competitive space in in, in the console space of like mm-hmm. do something because it was always it's always been you know Microsoft and Sony sort of duking it out between same controller, same shape box, same form factor. You, know? the, you could just take one game from one and just drop it right into the other, and it would play just as good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then then Nintendo was always like, we're gonna do stuff that that. If a developer makes a Wii game, it's going to be fucking hard for them to get that game onto some other platform because Wii controllers are not the same <laughs> as PlayStation controllers, right? So they just kind of like went perpendicular to the whole thing and just went into a totally different space. And then I think that with the Switch, they found something that is still that. But it allows for that, but in a way yeah. that – yeah, form factor wise, I think it's just it's not so weird yeah. that that it's that it's not so weird that developers would be putting a having a big risk by making a game for the Switch. Well, I think that's a lot also, of it. Yeah, is that know, the risk is a, is I think like the fact that the Switch has now been out for so long without a replacement, and that the replacement looks like it's going to be another Switch. I think is also mm-hmm. a signal of their discomfort with the risk involved of doing the weird stuff. And I think a lot of that is just as you're saying, like. The the real like the the risk actually mostly falls on the developers making games for a platform because it's extremely expensive to make a game, and if it has to follow a weird ass form factor, you know, like support two screens or or support weird controller things that don't exist in their platforms and stuff, right? It needs to be designed around that. Then you actually can't really take it to their platforms, which means you're banking on the success of that platform, that one yeah. single platform, and then your game with as a subset of the success of that platform, right? And so if you hit like the Wii U, right, which was bad for Nintendo, but it was even worse for basically any company that made a Wii U yeah. game, right? Well, and the unfortunate reality of, of publishing a game on a Nintendo platform is you are competing very hard against their first party games. Yeah. Because they're all like they make their own games and they publish them on their own platform and they host their own store. They they're totally vertically integrated, right? And if you come in and they feature your game, they don't have to do that. They're just doing that. They don't as have a favor, to and, basically. and don't to be fair. They don't honest. they don't very often, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah and so it's it's I, I, what I'm really curious about is if there's any changes to their sort of like storefront and the kind of their digital uh, presence and how they handle distribution. I've also seen – I bet it'll look kind of like Xbox where – Xbox had a similar deal where they, they had a little bit of a phase where they did a decent job when there weren't that many games yet um, of supporting like indie stuff, right? Because they could find ways to showcase the, just the stuff that was going on because there wasn't a ton of it. But once they started kind of just let things on the platform um, and they didn't bother like Steam did to generate like a really good discovery mechanism, right? right? Then all of a sudden like indie games kind of – it was just impossible to succeed just by like directly launching an indie game onto Xbox, right? Until Game Pass, until, the, until they curated a new subset of the games all over again, right, to give you a small selection. And I think on – we're already – we've already seen that with the Switch, which is that there's yeah the first year of Switch was great for indies yeah and then, for the most part. And then it's basically been not good ever since and it right? just kind of it just kind of collapsed yeah they, they that was just where we kind of like learned of the terms like blue ocean and red ocean market yeah. right which is like you got this new marketplace opening up to blue ocean it's just open wide everything's great 
And then pretty soon you start to see blood in the water because everybody's eating each other. <laughs> and then pretty soon it's just it's just red. It's like it's only danger. Like it's just a really rough place. And, to the, be, and the first you know? party titles are the megalodons, you know, just swimming around. Yeah, they're just, they're just everything. chopping it. Yeah, the next Zelda game hits and, well, you're not going to be on the front page while Never. that's going on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so those are kind of some of our predictions for the year. Uh, a lot of it is just, you know, I, I don't think anything – Dramatic is going to happen, other than just sort of like continuing. What do you mean? There's going to be tons of dramatic and, stuff that uh, happens. Yeah, well, you know, drama is in the eye of the beholder. You know, I mean, there's by that I mean if you're holding bees, every situation has a really elevated level of tension. Really up. Yeah, you know, but, and when when life is bees, which I think is the world we live in, you know, then life, life is, is bees. bees. Yeah. Uh, now on to some interesting uh, tech stuff. The Stream Deck. Not oh, yeah. the Steam Deck. Let's talk about the Stream Deck. Totally different piece of hardware. Totally Confusingly different. similarly named. And not to be yeah, confused I, with the other one, the Steam Deck Dock, which is, you know. There's a Steam Deck Dock. There's a Steam Deck Dock. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't just call it a Steam Dock? It might have some other name, but I'm pretty sure it's just the Steam Deck Dock, like the official. <laughs> what the fuck? No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. That's even... Crazy, mm-hmm. but uh, the so the stream deck stream deck. is is a, a little cute little device. Uh, this is the Elgato stream deck, right? Yeah, it's an Elgato. It's called Elgato stream deck, and uh, originally it was built, as you might imagine, for streamers who need to do a lot of things. Almost like if you're you know, DJing a radio show, they have like a soundboard. They got buttons basically they need to push that just do a thing, um, and that becomes very difficult once you're if you're managing essentially like a OBS studio and you're doing like multiple screens, you might be switching between, you might be doing like, Oh, I'll come back later sort of thing. Uh, all sorts of little like macroable things that if you had to hockey them or whatever else, just kind of get, there's so many that it gets very <laughs> challenging to know what the fuck is happening. And the stream deck tried to solve this by saying, okay, we're going to give you essentially a row of buttons that each little button is both programmable in terms of, what it causes to happen. They have integrations with stuff like Discord, Spotify, whatever. And importantly, each little button is actually a screen with custom content on it. So that's I saw the cool this. Part. Yeah, that's the cool part. And I saw this uh, just like before the break for some reason. I don't even remember exactly what kicked it off, but I saw one and then I, I was wondering about solving a very particular problem that uh, all of us in the studio typically have, which is that we are in voice chat a lot. Like most days, right? And also screen sharing a lot on all via Discord. And one of the things that's always been annoying to me is that I cannot tell, except by looking over at Discord, if I'm currently muted. So if I'm about to cough or, you know, baby says something or whatever, I have to like double tap the fucking mute button because I can't tell, you know, where I'm at. Yeah, uh, I'm constantly just re-hitting the hotkey and then listening to the audio cue to figure out if I was already muted or yeah. not. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and same thing with, you know, screen sharing, tapping over to it, whatever, uh, as well as a bunch of other stuff. But those were my, my main things. So I saw this and I was like, hmm, I wonder if, what if that would be able to provide me like a little actual visual indicator. And sure enough, uh, for those people who use, I guess, you know, VoIP a lot for work, this thing's been great. I love it. I got the... Just, I guess it's called the Mark II, but it's just the, it's the regular one now, which is five by three buttons. And you can like put multiple pages in there. You can do whatever. And I set mine up. So largely it's like almost like a Discord controller for just managing that whole aspect of my workday. So 
I made some little macros using auto hotkey that this thing fires that now handles fully doing uh, screen sharing for me, full screening and focusing the current video call, muting, deafening, swapping between mics, like all that shit that previously, you know, we do like a thousand times a day, just popping over to a voice call or just focusing the voice channel when someone's like, hey, what about this? And it's like the Discord window's gone. You know, I got to go. Anyway, if I could just focus it with a keyboard press, which you can, uh, you'd still maybe have to go click on something or full screen or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And, and these things are still a project, right? Because like, because as you said, as you were kind of talking through it, like some of the stuff you did was like already kind of just a thing you could do, right? You could be like, oh, I'm going to add a yeah. button to mute and unmute on Discord, right? And other stuff yeah. you're like, oh, I need an auto hotkey script that you had to write that you yes. didn't trigger and stuff, right? So so some of you'll get like cool features right out of the box that can make your life easier. And then the sky is the limit, you know, on what you can yeah. also do. But just be aware you're also getting yourself into a project, you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and it depends on your use case, too. I know there's there are artists who use it because there's Photoshop plugins for it. There's all sorts of stuff that lets you then, you know, move some things onto yeah. it, like screens, uh, brush size and all that sort of things. Very commonly a thing that artists are trying to figure out how to do. There's one with knobs. Which I almost got because just knobs. I don't know, man. Oh yeah, twisty knobs. knobs so good, Satisfying. you know. Ended up not going for it because I was like, I can tell what I do with a knob, but I have no idea what I do with <laughs> the three other knobs. And then they nuke, you know, like half the buttons basically. You're like yeah. knob, sign me up. Knobs. What? I don't think so. <laughs> Too many knobs, you know. I'm not. I don't know. I'm not an octopus. I can't Get operate that knobs many knobs at once. Yeah. Um, but I highly recommend it. And it was a lot of fun to set up. So if you're one of those kind of, if you like hardware stuff, or if you just do a lot of things where you're, you would need to be able to see some aspects of it, you can check out their marketplace and just see if the software you use, I mean, there's like, there's VS Code stuff in there too. You know what I mean? Like there's plugins for a lot of software that you probably use uh, if you listen to this podcast. And there might be some stuff there you can see that would be easy wins for just like putting on a And you can button. write your own plugins. I, I didn't dig deeply into it but i was doing kind of a cursory look to get a sense of like what does it take and it looks like it's just javascript my so, brain almost exploded because i was telling Abba, i was like oh, look at this cool thing and he's like oh we could write our own plugins and i was like <laughs> <laughs> oh no so, it begins oh, i could do it oh, yeah yes. it's, it's been awesome yeah, I haven't got i've been using yet, but yeah i'm gonna yeah you should, you should, you know, i've been using it for especially for things like like when we do so I have two different microphone setups. One is for is for podcaster. I got this kind of big, big, bulky microphone that's like right in my face. But day to day, I don't I don't use that. I use it for podcast recording. Uh, and so normally when we record podcast, I have to open up Discord, go into the settings, go into the voice menu, find a you know input thing, and swap devices, and then do the same thing the other way around when we're done. Um, and also, there's no obvious way to to know which microphone Discord is using, unless you go into the settings. Yes. Uh, so on the Stream Deck, I just was, I was able to just add a button to turn on one microphone and another button to turn on the other one, and I have them, they display mm-hmm. which one is is active. So What's crazy just, about that is push that a button like, and swap microphones. Is that Discord, that Discord integration provides that capability, which feels very niche to me, but it doesn't provide the ability to hit a button and full screen the fucking call you're on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Yeah, they were what? oddly selective about about which things they have available. But yeah, it's weird. Um, They're missing a bunch of hotkeys that feel like they'd be weird. Yeah, but even just like you know, I got a button just to swap between push to talk and voice activated because you mm-hmm. know when I'm gaming, sometimes I'll use push to talk, and then like throughout the day, I use voice. And so sometimes I'll 
I'll accidentally have one of them set, but I need to switch to the other. And once again, it's like go through a bunch of menus and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, now just push a button. And also I can look at the button and just see which one I currently have because it's a screen. It's also a little screen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing. What a cool piece of tech. And like the one, so the one I got was uh, is a five by three buttons, so 15 one, yeah. buttons. There is one that has, I think, 32 buttons. Yeah, they're pretty That's a big, pricey piece of hardware, too. So, like, as you scale up, they get pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, I was tempted by the giant one and the one with knobs. But again, with the giant one, I was like, I don't, I know, again, I could I could have a good guess about what I'd do with, like, 15 buttons. But 30-something buttons? So That's buttons. a little much. Well, and they also so much desk space, you know? The other interesting thing about it is that not everything on there needs to be a button. So like I, I put one on this just a system clock because sometimes like if, I, if I'm playing games or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I can't see my taskbar. I don't have a, a clock in my office. Yep. Like, you know, I can, too. Yeah. So I just – now I can just always see what time it is. I found one that was like a CPU usage indicator. So there's like a little like – percentage oh, display that would just show how much CP like like you know it's like a little control panel you can just make your own little displays and ways to see what's going on with your I like hardware like this it's like it's it definitely solves the problem right and also like it's just kind of cute I don't know how mm-hmm. to describe it. it's just cute it's got these little kind of bubbly buttons and then each one is a really nice little LED screen so like it's got full color range and everything it's just like a cute oh yeah it's just cute you know yeah, I, I got the sort of a while ago I bought kind of like the the cheap version of this which is this still very cool, like fun little, but it's like a, it's just like a little board, right? Like, like a circuit board. It's like etched on the back with a kind of a cool little thing, but it's like a circuit board etching, you know? And it's basically mm-hmm. just a tiny keyboard. It's like a, it's like a numpad size, right? With a knob on it and a little tiny, one little tiny LED screen at the top that's just black and white. It's like, so fun. I don't know. It's like 15 by 50 pixels or something like that, right? Uh, and, and you could turn and like turning the knob swaps you between layers, right. On your, like what your keys are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just programmable. So it's just like, they just give you like a little Python library and then you can like program the keys to do anything Python can do, which is one of those things like I got it and it has a whole bunch of like presets for different applications and stuff. None of which I really use. Um, right. <laughs> and so to actually use it at all, it was like, well, now I got to go learn this. SDK and like go right. And then you got to memorize it. And I got to memorize where it the is. Fuck button does. Yeah, and you can like you can like set the colors on it, which was so you can have like okay, yeah. so you can have like the colors of each button are individually addressable. So like each layer can so you can like use it and like memorize. Oh yeah, the red means whatever, right? But the sheer amount of like cognitive load to use it and the work to actually get it to do the too much you upfront. Want, Way too much upfront stuff. And it's kind of the funny thing because like I look at the Elgato and I'm like, it's so it's like so few buttons. Like there's you know, like 15 or whatever, right? But you can instantly use it. Just instantly. Yep, yep. Um, and, and you'll it, know exactly what's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you can not, see what it's doing. Yeah, which is uh, yeah. Really I'll nice. take 15 buttons that I really can tell what's happening and use all the time versus potentially infinite buttons that I have yep. to work very hard infinitely to figure out any, anything about, you know. Yeah. Well, it's like we talked about the Moonlander, right? It was like you'd get this keyboard and it's conceptually very cool, but the amount of work you have to do to get it to a point <laughs> yeah. where you can use it is just – it's just untenable really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so this is – this again, this thing's called the Stream Deck, not the, not the Steam Deck. Yeah, don't get it twisted. Uh, Steam Deck but, is also great, but it's only got one screen on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's, it's 15 times worse than, than It the does Steam have a lot deck. of buttons think, though, but the buttons aren't also screens. Which is a bummer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Can you those play are the two games ways you measure on a, a stream deck? 
you probably can play games with it. Yeah, because you can program with all the all the things. But can you have one game. of the little LEDs be a monitor for the game that you're playing on it? Yeah, probably. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah I don't know about that. Someone must, the there must be a Doom plug-in. Somebody must have fucking put could. Doom on. I bet you could. <laughs> I bet you could play Doom on this thing. Because you I can have, like, turn it into a controller. Just like, yeah. you know, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I, I honestly, I haven't even, well, what's nice about the Stream Deck is it's made for streamers, not for programmers. Anything that's made for programmers is a piece of shit. Change my mind. <laughs> the Stream Deck, the Stream Deck Change is made mind. For streamers, which means it's like they wanted it to be the case that it was that any if anybody wants to start streaming, then other streamers say, if you want to stream, get yourself a stream deck because it'll blah blah blah, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you could which means, you could use it instantly. Yeah, no, yeah. Which means which means it has to be appealing to people who aren't necessarily incredibly tech savvy, but are still doing something with tech, right? Mm-hmm. So they have a little plug-in store. There's all kinds of stuff you can download. Like I even I even had a thing where where I Speaking of HDR, I have an HDR monitor, but not every application works well with HDR. Mm. And so I kept having to like hit the Windows key, type HDR to search the HDR settings, and then find the little toggle slider to turn HDR on and off on my monitor, depending on what I was going to do. And it's annoying as hell, right? Uh, well, I found in their plugin store, there's just like an HDR toggler. And yep. it shows whether you are currently in HDR mode. And if you push it, it swaps modes. Boom. Now Crazy. I just have a button right there. Yeah, and and really I didn't nice have to program be, anything. I just downloaded so, it. Given out of the box with like the plugin ecosystem and stuff. Okay. So you've got HDR. You can toggle. You've got Discord. Uh, so mm-hmm. ex- out of the box, can it start a Discord screen share? Or did Sam do No. I wrote my own. That's not a hockey thing. That. Yeah. Pfft. The, it can, it can, you can use Discord's just sort of basic. Uh, you use all the shortcuts, of course. Yeah, the stuff they have shortcuts for global. Yeah, but it will. You can use it to focus certain chats, or toggle your mics, uh, like your actual talking on and off toggle deafen, or swap, uh, swap mics and that sort of thing. Okay, like swap audio devices as well as some other stuff that I don't ever use. But okay. ironically, so, though, you cannot toggle streamer mode correct. with the stream deck. <laughs> if there, there's not, a, is there a hockey for that though? There is one in Discord, yeah. So I need to like oh, set yeah, a hotkey. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that's what I was wondering. Is, is if you if there's like if there's a handful of things that that can happen, right? So like, so let's say a hotkey for turning on streamer mode, right? And let's say uh, let's say um, changing turn toggling HDR off, right? Because if you're screen sharing, you need HDR off because otherwise the other person sees yes. insane stuff, right? Um, if there's two different things in like the ecosystem, two different plugins that can solve those two problems, is there a way to chain them together in one button yeah. so that you can? Yep. Okay. There's a there's a multi-step thing you can use. Um, cool. So so it has like basic programming. That's not like programming, but programming, like drag and drop. So like, like, uh, yeah, it's all drag and drop stuff. Yeah, you just yeah. drag actions onto the okay. buttons. But so you're not limited to like sets. if the plugin doesn't do all the things you want, then you're just like, well, I guess I have two different buttons that I have to now. You can, yeah, it has multi steps. You, you can, can like, like if you're not a programmer, you just do that, and that's fine. If you are a programmer and you can stitch those things together, then you could just do that. Or, or yeah, like yeah. Sam was saying, there, like there's some things that the drag and drop interface can do where you can slap things together. Yeah, because you can just tell it. There's a hotkey thing. You just drag a hotkey on, which is what I use for the Discord video focus, like the call focus thing, which I didn't even know was really a thing or existed until I was trying to solve this problem. But basically, there is a shortcut for Discord where. If you just press that button, then it will focus the current call. Or if you're in just like a chat window or something like that, it'll just put your cursor into the chat box, right? <laughs> so with that, then you can, even if you just use that, which is what I do, I just put a Discord icon on it. 
So if I press that, then it pulls up the video. If I could all minimized and all that shit, right? Um, I don't change it to anything because sometimes I just do that, but super useful. Yeah. I use it in other, in my hockey scripts then, if that makes sense. So yeah, you could yeah. also just chain it. Depending. Yeah. I've only had the thing for a, a couple of weeks, but it already feels like, it feels like it was always supposed to be there on my desk. Yeah, I'd be very annoyed <laughs> if I didn't get to use it anymore, to be honest, because like the amount of just, it's that little chaff from the day, you know, where you just get, or chafing. Micro like, jank. Yeah, microjank where you're yeah. like, yeah, it's easy to share stuff on Discord, but we do it so much that it's like and kind it, of annoying. It requires all steps to do, yeah. 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 Like the idea that like, yeah, if you have a computer, like you got your keyboard, you got your mouse. And now I feel like, yeah, but also you're supposed to have your stream deck. That's another mm-hmm. thing that's supposed to be there with mm-hmm. those peripherals, you know, that's part Good. of it. So, uh, pretty interesting. Definitely recommend. I have to get deck. one then. You got to get one. I, I am kind of afraid to see what Adam pulls off <laughs> with his probably going to be like, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to take a two week sabbatical and uh, program some, do some stream deck. Yeah. That, yeah that's part of why I haven't been motivated to do it so far is that I, most of my workday consists of like so many different things that when I'm trying to imagine like, which of these is the one that's like annoying, but that's also stable enough that I could, you know, programmatically solve right. it. Right. Um, cause I don't like, if I was like working on Crashlands 2 specifically, then it'd be like, oh, there's a whole bunch of stuff I could think of. Cause it's like most of my work day every day is like things related to working on Crashlands 2. But like in any given day, I'm like doing Crashlands 2 stuff, doing stitch stuff, doing rumpus stuff, doing whatever. <laughs> and so like the struggle that I've had is like, I can't even think of things actually that I'm like, yeah, I, I want a button that I could just hit X. and it would solve that. But here's yeah. the thing, baby. You could just make folders for each of those like rough project spaces, and then just be in that folder. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because the Stream Deck you can also cycle through pages, so you can set up like different button configurations depending yep. on what it is that pages you're doing. or folders, depending on how. Yeah, you know, like I'm so even sure. though it has 15 buttons, you know, technically yeah, it has way more. more than that because you can swap modes. And unlike something like the Moonlander or like these keyboards, where when you change layers. The keyboard still looks exactly the same, right? Exactly. It's like yes. with this, like when you change when you change layers, the you, the buttons will visually transform into whatever it is that you've changed them to, and then you can just you don't have to memorize anything; you just look at it mm-hmm. like a, like a person. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a very cool yeah. piece of tech. Um, all right. Well, you know, we were I think we were going to get to some questions, but you know, we had to do our predictions, so we didn't quite have time to get to listener questions. But uh, next episode, we'll definitely. Get some of those. So definitely go to podcast.bscash.net and ask questions for next episode. That's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Sampa DaCosta, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to the Discord, a way for you to donate, and links to the podcast archives. And as always, if you haven't yet, head on over to Steam. Give Crashlands 2 a wish list, and it'll help us out a ton. It'll boost the game's visibility on the charts and and uh, help get more algorithmic discovery. And it lets us know, uh, you know that you're interested, which is great. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye.